This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we're talking Dear Evan Hansen. Sincerely me. Wait a minute, I forgot my introduction. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, hello from Broadway. Now is a film podcast. We're aiming at discussing new movies weekly. We dig into movies being most spoiler for your review, the occasional commentary track, or some other film movie topic. This is episode 470, 470, 470. And this week, as Abe is alluding to right now in his, his wonderful musical cadence, we are talking Dear Evan Hansen. Dear Evan Hansen. Exactly. That's what they yell at the beginning of the show, so you know what yeah. they yeah. This is exactly how the show goes on Broadway. Yeah, the, all of the ca- it's it starts with Platt standing on the stage, and then all of the cast members are on the side. They and when the when the play's about to start, they all duck their heads in. They're like, "Dear Evan Hansen," and then they then it goes from there. Um, that that's exactly true. I would have liked that a lot more. I, more like a Greek chorus in this movie. Yeah. that could have been something. We'll uh, get there. Yeah. All right. Well, joining us to discuss Dear Dear Evan Hansen, we have from from Lenoir Artur. And finishing in seventh place in the summer movie gamble, he's tap tap tapping on his microphone, ready to play along. It's Terrence Johnson. I thought that you were singing because the to- as we record this, the Tony Awards were today. Oh, I did not. <laughs> and oh, I didn't put that together. Completely forgot that we were talking about a musical. <laughs> it, we, we timed it out perfectly then. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Always scheduled to T. Actually, speaking of the Tony Awards, one th- two things. First off, David nice. Greer won a Tony Award. Good for him. Dag? Yeah, Dag himself. He won a Tony. Nice. Yeah. Also, Very you know who exciting. else won a Tony Award? I don't know. Friend of the show, Maxwell Haddad has won a Tony Award. Did he really? Yes, he did. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. Congrats. For, uh, for what show? Uh, offhand, I do not know. I used to, and I forgot, and I get to that's look a, into that's it. That's a weird title for a Broadway show. It's a long title, but they stuck with it, and guess what? They won a Tony, so there you go. Nice. Anyway, <laughs> Terrence, how are you doing this evening? Um, I'm doing all right. Speaking of the Tonys, Moulin Rouge won 10, um, even though it is a terrible show, <laughs> because there was only three other musicals, and it just, when... This is a, a slight aside, but like when we look back at some of the awards that were that have been given out at the time during the pandemic, it's going to be really interesting to like look down in history and then look back because like in winning ten Tony Awards, it's now in like the top five most winningest shows of all time. Mm. You know, like the band's visit a couple years ago won ten, um, and that show was phenomenal. And then like Hamilton won eleven, and mm-hmm. the producers led the all time with twelve. So like. When you think about when we like look back and we're like, damn, Moulin Rouge won 10 Tony Awards. It's like, oh, yeah, because it was the pandemic Tony. <laughs> so Moulin Rouge, just because this needs to keep going. Is this yeah. like is this an adaptation of the movie, which itself was its own thing? Or is this like a new version of Moulin Rouge? It's an adaptation of the movie. Okay. Um, and in some respects, I think it ha- I think it has an interesting plot. I won't say more interesting than the movie. I think they're about equal interesting. Okay. But what Moulin Rouge, the Broadway musical, does is add about 30 songs. Like, it's, it's like... It's that's, like that's a eight. lot. Yeah. That sounds about right, though, right? Like, song-heavy. But if you think about what makes Moulin Rouge the movie work, is that, like, it's not a sung-through musical, Mm-mm. right? So it's not music all the time, and then... The, like, I remember seeing Moulin Rouge and uh, the musical in 2019 and just being like, what is this? Because it was you just kept laughing because of, like, 
it was like another pop song and another it's pop just song, song after song, 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 song. Yeah. yeah and so it's like i get what you're doing here because moulin rouge is like this excessive thing and i think the technical elements of that musical are phenomenal the scenic mm-hmm. design this sounds like the bohemian rhapsody of broadway musicals <laughs> yeah but like this would have been like a bohemian rhapsody had won like three more oscars including best picture mm. mm-hmm. okay you know oh my like gosh. when we look back we're gonna be like oh the producers with 12 and hamilton with 11 and the bands visit with 10 and moulin rouge, and moulin rouge. Yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be like when jack nicholson said crash um <laughs> <laughs> Look how specific that memory is. <laughs> it's I can yeah. I can I can completely picture that. <laughs> no, but this is very apropos for everything that we're talking about today because there's some thoughts. Yeah, we're gonna get into this movie, Dear Evan Hansen, and everything that we had to Dear have Evan to Hansen. say about it. Uh, by the way, Maxwell's thing is uh, the Inheritance. That's the the Inheritance. Okay, that's the show. Winner for best play. Oh yeah, I heard the Inheritance wow. was great. So congrats. Yeah. Uh, but anyway. Uh, that's enough Tony talk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> DM. Half, about three quarters of your uh, your listenership just decided to stop listening. No, we, we, <laughs> no, we gained some because they're like, finally, they're talking about the stage plays that we've been, we were yeah. wanting to hear about in a, on a movie the podcast. The Tony's that we've been talking about were Tony Danza. <laughs> well, actually, speaking of Tony's, that's going to bring us a show notes. Um, <laughs> because go. coming in October, we have, of mm-hmm. course, our special horror episodes. Every October yes. for several years now, we've done... Uh, we generally do five bonus horror-themed episodes framed around some kind of uh, genre, subgenre within horror or what have you. This year we are doing uh, uh, horror movie franchises. So we're going to do four separate movie franchises. We're going to talk about each entry within said franchise for four weeks. And then the last week of October we're going to do our commentary for the month, which is going to be for Halloween 2018. Which will come, which is the new one comes out a week before that, so we'll be able to talk about this, the Halloween 2018, with the new movie in mind. But as far as those horror franchises go, so for anyone that wants to prepare, what have you, by watching some of these movies, uh, we plan to talk Candyman, that's Tony Todd, so speaking of Tony's, um, The Omen, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and Final Destination. Uh, the Final Destination, by the way, will have a special guest uh, involved in that one, so be, be, uh, be prepared for that. Uh, but yeah, so that's death himself. Was death him, death himself is showing yeah. up exactly. We got, we yeah. got him. We got him. We got him. <laughs> but uh, uh, how many movies overall are we going to be reviewing? I believe like twenty-two. We, I believe it's twenty-two movies if you yeah. count every yeah, single so. movie within all these franchises. It's a heavy uh, October. Yeah, so you know anyone, anyone that plans to you know follow along or what have you, just know that yeah, we, we plan to talk about all of those franchises. It's gonna be super fun. We've uh, we're getting some done in advance, um, mm-hmm. so just know uh, these. I, we have actual proof that we know it's a lot of fun. So there you go. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's coming very soon because October is almost here. Uh, speaking of which, there will be a horror themed contest to go along with that. I got, I probably have I have a stack of stuff to give away, so there's mm-hmm. probably some horror movies within that stack. Um, <clears throat> what else I mentioned? Yes, we'll have a Halloween 2018 commentary, but for now we do have this month's commentary, which is for Unforgiven, the Clint Eastwood film. Uh, that's up there on iTunes now. It's a lot of fun, a lot of uh, good information that we packed into that one for sure. Um, and what else? Of course, all of this stuff you can find on iTunes, where you can search our podcast out now. Aaron and Abe, you can uh, see our show. You're like, oh, there's their funny picture. There's all their episodes. Also, <laughs> look what tab that says rating and reviews. I should click on that, and you should. Because it'd be very helpful for us to pop us up on the old iTunes charts. Is that usually how the sequence of events goes? 
that what I search for out now there today because I do regularly to make sure all the episodes post properly. Mm-hmm. I, I my my eyes go right to top left where I see our orange logo with our faces, mm-hmm. and yeah. then, and then I then I I, sh- I immediately shoot down and look at the episode titles because again I'm checking to make sure that they're there to begin with or else there's a problem. And then I then I then I look at the reviews tab and I'm like hmm. We could really use more of those. <laughs> and that's mm. the order of events that I go in. So I like it. Yeah. All right. Makes sense. Thank you so much in advance. Give us all the five stars. Mm-hmm. What a backdoor way to get to what that was going to be all about by mentioning iTunes, by the way. <laughs> all right. Is that show? That's done. That's enough show notes. Let's move on now. Let's uh, let's get to some at now quickies. Trademark. Each week at now, we only week that I talk about those on the week the week that I'm going to quickies. Trademark. All right. Terrence, what? other movies have you seen recently um i saw a hero mm-hmm. with you um Askar Farhadi. i'm pretty sure that you met him too right i did like literally a top five life moment right there wow. <laughs> um, he's am- I-, I love his movies he was amazing it-, it was very cool i didn't even know he was gonna be there uh also with my running theme of never knowing the runtime of the movie before I get there. I also don't completely read the emails about who all is supposed to be there. Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> so I did not know that he was because it, first it didn't hide it in the, it's not like it's also, by the way, it's small text. Oscar behind is going to be there. <laughs> yeah. So that was great. That movie was excellent. Um, Surprisingly very similar, not similar, like thematically close to the movie we're talking today. Yeah, it was a, it would make a great double feature with Dear Evan Hansen. Mm-hmm. Like to be quite honest, um, yeah, he was. The movie is great, but what I mean, he hasn't made a bad movie. That's true. That's correct. Uh, a lot of them have won awards. Yeah, yeah, the, the major award, the Oscar. He's yeah. highly likely to be in conversation for it again this year. He, he's um, very like because I you know obviously I saw this too. It's he's very good at doing this thing as far as like. A very simple setup that just gets complicated, but without feeling like melodrama. It's just like really good writing that that makes this plot work in a way where it's like unexpected, but entirely realistic as far as how things play out, and you're utterly compelled by it. And there's very yeah. there's such minimalism there as far as there's barely any there's like no score. Uh, the you know the acting's very you know naturalistic. The, like the 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 direction there's a showiness in it but it's not flashy if you know what i mean like there's clearly yeah. like intention with what he's doing with the camera but it's not throwing your face in it and i i the fact that he's done that what like six seven times now it's like yes. amazing <laughs> oh my gosh he's like how can i stress out the audience now and it's like okay here's how i'll do it and <laughs> i was stressed um yeah, he's just great. And then, since the last time we talked, uh, I watched two very terrible movies. Go on. Chaos Walking. <laughs> yeah, that's a movie. <laughs> um, I see how this would make a great YA book series. Yeah, I can see that. Especially considering I went back and read the plot of what those books were, and I was like, oh, this is way more interesting than what the movie presents. I I, I think with YA stuff, I think we're just running out of good material Mm -hmm. with white people. (laughs) (laughs) 
Let me say something. Because... Got it. Yeah, that, that was a that was a comma that I didn't see coming. You're you're not wrong, but it's also like, well, the you know the, the general I, the general concept doesn't change. It's you know, this kid's the special. He has friends. There's a love interest. Yeah. They gotta topple the monarchy or whatever, and keep being the special, but in a better way than the last people. Like it's. It was. Yeah, it just. I was just kind of like, oh, okay, so like, at every turn where we maybe do something interesting we're going to take the least interesting route and we're going to wrap this movie up neatly you know versus the book series which i think are a little more morally ambiguous and then i watch reminiscence Mm -hmm. if you ask me to tell you (laughs) what the plot of reminiscence was i don't think i could do it terrence what's the plot of reminiscence (laughs) hugh jackman is looking for rebecca ferguson that's pretty good. That's pretty good. That's and Tandy Newton, Newton is there, and and there's memories, I, and he's and Miami with is them. under, is almost underwater, maybe, yeah. kind of sorta, and uh, <laughs> and uh, Terrence, how many how many characters are in this movie? Um, a, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It... We're gonna have to do a rewatchable on this one, Aaron, with like just like talking full on mocking. Yeah, it's like the second time this came up in the past week. I was texting Aaron during it. I was like, is this just like, I'm just unmoved. Like yeah. nothing was grabbing me, which is sad because I love Lisa Joy. Mm-hmm. I love Hugh. I all, love all of the Andy. components I, involved in yeah. what went into this are good. So it's or, like, yeah. it's, it's weird how, and I hate using this term, but it's a very boring movie. <laughs> like there's no other way to say it. Yes, it's it is. Very true. Yeah. Yes, it is. So... Yeah, those are sort of the last three films I've seen. Other okay. than Dear Evan Hansen. Chaos Walking, a movie I haven't thought about since March when it came out and deeply upset Anna. Um, <laughs> she was not a fan of this movie. Neither was I, but still. Um, David Yellow is in like another movie, right? Like he's doing something and it's like, what movie is he in? Like, because it's not this. Oh, like, oh yeah. This movie. <laughs> he was in the movie. Yeah, exactly. Oh my goodness. I watched this last week. <laughs> <laughs> God, what happened? Yeah, he, um, he, I, I think he's in the morally ambiguous stuff from the books. Because, like, in the books, it doesn't wrap up neatly with, like, the villain being vanquished. Mm-hmm. And so he was like, I'm going to play, like, this creature dude who wants everybody to repent, but then I'm also a sinner and I want to die. He, he's holding on to a lot and is like, this is supposed to be a little lighthearted, isn't it? Like, it's about, like, kids with their minds, like, reading out loud. Like, yeah. David Illo, like, you're you're <laughs> you're doing a lot here. <laughs> like, a lot of heavy lifting for a movie that does not require this amount of, like, dead, steadfast dedication. Anyway, yeah, and then I was, we, we I was can't keep talking about out... Chaos Walking. <laughs> like, this is... Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I can't wait I to trying... watch it. I was trying to figure out if Demain Bertier's character was gay or not. or if they were sure. just... Him and, and Kurt if Sutter, right? Friends... It's, a, it's Kurt Sutter. Like the, the, yes. like, as in the creator of Sons of Anarchy, he's like, is, I'm pretty sure they're Oh my lovers. gosh, was that him? Yeah, that's Kurt Sutter. <laughs> that's, that's, Whoa. It's such a weird, like, okay, How I guess. How did they get these people for this movie? It has a stacked cast, Chaos Walking. Like, it's it's wild how many people are in the movie. <laughs> Damn, that was him. <laughs> okay, Does yeah, we can move on from this. Or worse? I mean, that sort of familiar relationship was probably the best part of the film. Mm, okay. So. so yeah, it's a weird movie. Um, <laughs> Abe, what, what have you what have you seen? I, in classic Abe form, have started uh, the Art of Self Defense. Oh, all right. Uh, it was it was on Hulu, and I was like, oh yeah, let me just check this one out because 
uh, I had heard about it, and you know, I'm generally a fan of uh, of uh, Jesse Eisenberg. Um, is he a friend of the show or no? No, but he's you know what we like. He, he does yeah, he does okay. good stuff. Yeah, he's he's good stuff. He's kind of quiet, so he doesn't return our phone calls just immediately. Friends of the show uh-huh. are more like character actors that we like admire that don't really get the, <laughs> yeah. get to be the lead. Like uh, Alessandro Alessandro yeah. Nivola, who's also in the film and excellent. He he's closer to being like a friend of the show. He's okay. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, Many Cents in New York's uh, Alessandro Nivel. Exactly. Yeah, next uh, next week's release, season star of. <laughs> I, I'm about 35 minutes into the movie. He started these classes. He's met, um, I forget her name, Imogen Imogen, Imogen Poots? Poots. Yeah. Yeah. He he's met her. He's uh he's gotten his butt kicked, and um it's it's kind of like turning out to be a weird one, which I'm I'm totally down for. I still have to finish it, but the other thing that I started was um this is all Hulu based, I a guess, lot of, a lot of but starts. it's. I'm sorry. A lot of starting here. A lot of starting, yeah. But okay. the other one, this one is this is a series, um, is only murders in the building. This is the Steve Martin, um, Martin Short, Martin Short and Selena Gomez murder mystery re, uh, true crime, uh, TV show. Pretty good. Pretty good. I, I, I good definitely things. like the aspect of what they're kind of playing off of and how seriously they take it, and also again the true crime aspect of it of, of what they're trying to solve for um and how things sort of uh start uh layering themselves so i'm about three episodes in and i uh, can't wait to see what happens next good to hear yeah i've heard good things about that show i i don't have hulu but i am mm-hmm. aware yes. that every every black friday they put it like for like you can get it for like a dollar 99 for like a year are you out of your mind? Like a month for a dollar, like a dollar ninety nine a month for like a year. So yeah. I'm like, I think we're gonna wait till that, and then maybe gonna finally get, some, get okay. some Hulu and catch up on some yeah. of these shows that I've been really wanting to see. Reservation Dogs, yeah. Reservation Dogs, Why the Last Man? Because I'm a huge fan of the comic. The Hardy Boys. That's the a, Hardy Boys. That's a show. It is excellent. I'll have to give that a go. I, I didn't even know that was a show, but all right. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I've seen a few things as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, first up is Old Henry. Uh, this is a western featuring Tim Blake Nelson. And Stephen Dorff as the villain. Um, hmm. Without giving, like, I went into this pretty blind. I just knew it was a Western featuring Tim Blake Nelson. And knowing what I do about that time, it's really neat to see what this movie turns into, what it's actually about. And I think it's depending on, it's weird to be vague about this, but like, depending on your knowledge of the Old West, basically, you might, you're either going to be ahead of what's going on or behind, but either way, it really works. It's a solid, like, character study focused on uh, this man and his son who basically encounter a, a man who's been shot and has a bunch of money on him. And they bring him inside their house, and it comes down to, like, e- evil people that are se- seemingly evil people that are looking for this man and what Tim Blake Nelson's character is going to do about it, if he's going to turn him mm-hmm. in or if he's going to try to protect him. And there's various reveals that happen along the way as to the nature of what's going on and who these people are and everything. But it's it's just a really solid Western. It's well shot. It does its job. I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Old Henry, which comes out next week, I believe, like on VOD and, and theaters. Also watched, uh, I guess I could talk about this now because it's premiering soon. Because there's, there's like there's like Toronto Film Festival and, um, and uh, Fantastic Fest is going on. And I got some screeners for some stuff. So I watched VHS 94. Um, this is the latest VHS film, the fourth one within that anthology series. There's three of them previously? Yes. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know those th- a third one came out. 
third one came out kind of came and went i liked okay. it more than the the first one like i'm just not big on like the first one but the second one obviously not way, novel concept the first novel one. concept but it's i wasn't big on it but they right. you know the second one i was huge on i think the yeah i've never seen that because it it's, it's too yeah. scary <laughs> but um and the third one is like it's got some good stuff in it it just does it didn't land like the, the second one did 94 similarly doesn't land as well as the second one did i it starts strong like i or like the like the wraparound suck. Like I don't like the wraparound stuff. I don't really like the wraparound stuff in any of these. But, but the the first two skits, I think skits. The first the first the first uh, chapter, whatever. The first VHS tape they watch, um, I think it's pretty effective. It's got some good scares in there, what have you. Uh, second one's okay-ish. It's got like a good idea, just so really it nails it quite a bit. And the third one, it's directed by the same guy that did the one I really like in um, VHS two. Or Coderick, because mm-hmm. that one's done by Gareth Evans and Timo. God, I can't remember his name. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. But the about. The, the Indonesian uh, character yeah. uh, uh, director, uh, who's doing the Train to Busan remake. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, it has uh, one directed by him in the, in '94. It's not as it's not like trying to be like intensely scary like the one and two. It goes a different direction that's more action heavy and it's really good. <laughs> like it's really mm, it's okay. really wild. And then it ends in a way, it, it ends pretty strong as well, just in a way that was unexpected. But anyway, VHS Night, for like an anthology series, which tends to be, it, there's four total in this one. There's four in all of them, I think. Mm-hmm, I think so. The second one might have five, because one's like really short. But regardless, you know, they, they can be hit or miss, because it's an anthology series, so that's how it kind of goes. But for the most part, like, I liked it. I just didn't, I, I, I didn't like it as much as like the best of this franchise has to offer mm-hmm. so now a question for you uh would it be better or worse if you had a crypt keeper uh bookend the movies oh better because the, the bookends just aren't very good so if you had yeah a keeper coming in going tapes, Exa- like i'd be all about <laughs> yeah, exactly that. <laughs> yeah some fun about videotapes uh, yeah. uh two more uh one is one second this is the latest sang you mao film oh. um this is a, uh, this is interesting because it was like it's faced a lot of like controversy from china based off what it's trying to do as far as talk about the chinese government which causes problems um but the core story still i think it's still a really well done movie it just feels like there's clearly edits that have been made to certain aspects of it which is like that's wild that the government could control that kind of thing but um it it's it involved it's set in um i want to say the 40s i believe not 50s set in the 50s 60s sorry it's set in the 60s um just remembering when these things happen it involves it involves a projectionist a thief and an orphan and (laughs) i won't get too far i'll just say it's about the love of film and what certain people would go what lengths certain people would go to to kind of preserve certain relationships they have and it's less flashy than something like hero or house of flying daggers for you Mao. it's it's very much a you know a drama um but it it does what it's trying to do very well, and I, I very much appreciate it, like how it feels like a celebration of film. Like it feels like it's trying to be Yamao's like like uh, his Hugo or something mm-hmm. like that. Like as far as like what he, or like Cinema Paradiso. Like it's a good comparison actually, as far as how the plot plays out. Um, but it's it's quite good. I, I don't know when it's coming out, but um, I, you know, Zach Yamao is a filmmaker I really like, and I'm glad he had another great film. So there you go. There you go. The last one is called Saloom. This is a uh, Seneg- a film from Senegal. It's a it involves mercenaries who are trying to make their way with uh with like their um they basically they 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 took they've taken they've taken somebody and they're trying to deliver him to a certain place. They have to stop along the way because their plane runs out of fuel, 
and mm-hmm. it it goes and it becomes this this case of um these mercenaries have to pose as other people so they can hide their who they are their identities and then things take a very dramatic turn towards something more horrorish it it's very stylish and it feels a lot like like from dust till dawn or something of that nature it's it's high energy and it's like 90 minutes it's really it's really solid it's like a really <laughs> it, it has it uh, because it's set in senegal it has some interesting issues involving uh, culture and race and what have you uh, while also being this like very high energy action horror film uh, i dug it quite a bit i i'm i believe it's going to come out sometime relatively soon like in some areas um but it, it, it's quite good mm-hmm. so so yeah that's what i saw cool that's enough quickies trademark let's move on now let's get to some trailer talk uh this week uh, instead of talking about one new trailer, uh, we're going to talk about a few. Uh, doing it the same way we've done some of these uh, more recently with animated films, except this time we have a theme here. Black and white awards contenders. <laughs> so there are four movies. There might be more, but there are four movies specifically that have trailers out right now that are all black and white films that all seem to be vying for you know various awards. So I'll, I'll just go through them real quick. First, we have Belfast. This is the Kenneth Branagh film. It's a semi-autobiographical film that looks at this working-class family in Northern Ireland. There's Come On, Come On. This is the new Mike Mills film. Mike Mills, who directed uh, 20th Century Woman and uh, The Beginners. Uh, This one features Joaquin Phoenix as an artist who has to take care of his young nephew, and they form some kind of bond. Uh, The next one is Passing. This is from writer-director Rebecca Hall. Um, And she is directing the story... Uh, based on a book, I believe it's probably, it's probably rooted in some reality. It stars Tessa Thompson and Ruth Nega. Uh, they are childhood friends who re, who kind of by chance meet each other again. And Ruth Nega's character has been passing as white, and he's, mm-hmm. she's married to a white man. Uh, while Tessa Thompson uh, somewhat calls this into question, and they they go from there as far as how this has been working for her in society uh, during this time. It's set in the in the um, in the twenties, I believe. And the last one is The Tragedy of Macbeth. This is the Joel Cohen film, Sans Ethan, uh, starring Denzel Washington and Francis McDormand, and it's a new adaptation of Shakespeare's Macbeth. So, we have four films, all shot in black and white for some reason, all coming out <laughs> during this award season. I'm going to ask you, Terrence, which of these are you most interested in seeing? Like, which do you need to see? Um, I feel like I need to see Passing and Macbeth. Um, Macbeth because Denzel and trying to see if France, I, I know I, I hate talking about the Oscars, but I love the idea of Francis getting number four and Meryl Streep fans melting down. Um, <laughs> so I want to see this movie, you know, I, I'm interested in like, I'm interested when people do weird takes on Shakespeare, like mm-hmm. how the, the Macbeth we got with Mike Fassbender, um, Visually and, gorgeous, but oh yeah, great, but like the same. Yeah. So now I'm interested to see what what a weird looking one. And passing, which I actually think Rebecca Hall was really smart to shoot that in black and white. It it I mean, granted we haven't seen the other films, but it very much fits what it's doing. Yeah, it was smart to do that because like I'm sure you've seen a lot of the discourse on Twitter is is regarding, you know, a lot of black people. We look at Ruth Nega. And Tessa Thompson were like, that is not passing to us, right? Mm-hmm. But like, that's sort of the point of the story, you know? Yeah. 
he's like i'll say i've seen passing it came out at sundance so i have a bit of a leg yeah. up on this one but I, I i do know what you're saying and it the film is very aware of what it's doing by having yeah these specific people like, cast. passing is like wentworth miller <laughs> <laughs> you know yes <laughs> that's passing troy and belisario from like pretty little liars um but i think that she's gonna weave that into the story so it was smart to do it in black and white because like they look even lighter, mm-hmm. therefore mm-hmm. lending credence to that story. So um, those are the two I'm most interested in seeing. Abe, where are you with this? Which which of these four films are you? Yeah, want to see? When you more? texted me how the idea was going to go for the trailers, I was like, "How dare you!" Essentially, <laughs> I was like, first of all, these are four great trailers, and like what you mentioned, they're all kind of during this oscar or i'm sorry like this award season mm-hmm. release and if, if terrence is going to choose two i guess <laughs> i'm going to choose two <laughs> but Aaron said uh, what movies there was plural point. there yeah. plural yeah exactly yeah, once again listening. my my own language betrays me <laughs> this, <laughs> this experiment <laughs> look gun to my head if i had to choose one it would be um for uh um uh, belfast which which um uh brana won the tiff uh, audience award for however i'm i'm right there with terrence on uh macbeth which is i love different takes on how you could do these shakespearean dramas uh, and what i love about them the most is that people who do venture out into like the weirdness of it not the weirdness but like how you can think about something differently um, and I know like through the years, I've kind of liked grown uh, Romeo plus Juliet has sort of grown on me in the way that that uh, he Baz Luhrmann decided to just be like, no, I'm just gonna make it modern. You know, we'll have guns and whatever else. But this sort of reminds me of like what you're mentioning there, Terrence, is it sort of reminds me of like when somebody like I don't know. If, I, I never saw it, but uh, I remember like I wanted to go see Corey, Coriolanus, Coriolanus, Coriolanus uh, the Ray Fiennes, yeah, the Ray Fiennes and Gerard, Gerard Butler, Butler movie. Where it was like, hey, it's by pretty way, solid. I, I like that movie it, quite a bit. It? Yeah, yeah, but it's again a different take. And I know that this one still has like the medieval swords and whatever else. Uh, but man, just seeing Denzel give that little smirk and then mm-hmm. kind of like being spooked up by the voices in mm-hmm. the in the trailer, and knowing that it's Cohen, like I, I know that's Sans Ethan, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, Sans Ethan. But yes, yeah, I am all on board for that. But. That needle drop in Belfast with Everlasting Love, like, just, like, punched me right in the heart. And I was like, damn it! I hate when movie trailers get me like this. So, and I will say, I know that I've, I've said about all of them, but come on, come on. Don't ever get me with, like, like a father, surrogate father, son, daughter story, because those get me the most. Like, I know that there's, like, a lot of, like, daughter-mom stories or daughters or son-mom movies. Like those daughter or those father movies, like they always get me. So, again, surrogate father because he's it's his nephew. But yeah, I mean that that touched me too. And they had Claire de Lune playing. It was, it was a nice trailer. But yes, I would probably say Belfast if I had to choose one. But Macbeth is like a one A one B type situation. I um I can't get past the fact that Belfast to me looks like White Roma. Like I, it's just, it, I hear you. And I, like, and I, I said that <laughs> kind does. I kind of, I said that half jokingly when I first saw the trailer, but it's like, it really does look like white Roma. And the fact yeah. that it's winning all these awards, it's like, 
okay. (laughs) It just, it stings a bit. Now, that's not taken away from the movie. I'm just like, given the praise it's gotten and what I've seen of it, like, yeah, like, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Um, That said, Macbeth all the way for me. Like, it's not even, like, for me, it's not even a question. Like, and I I look, I like Mike Mills. I like his movies. And and I've seen Passing. I have positive thoughts about Passing. But the the tragedy of Macbeth, you're putting Joel Coe and Denzel and Francis McDormand together. Uh, yeah. It's like, what, this is like, that's such a made for me kind of movie as far as like what yeah. that has to offer. Yeah. I'm such a Cohen fan. Denzel can't do wrong. And yeah, Francis McDormand is just like coming along in another Cohen movie. Why, right. why would I not be on board with this? Plus you have like, Brendan Gleeson and Corey Hawkins. And like, yeah, I like, there's so much good. I don't know that they were in that movie. <laughs> there's so much, there's so much good attached to this right now that I, I, I can't wait to see this. The fact that Denzel's stooping, stepping down from A-list tower to be like, I'll be in a, an Academy Ratio A24 movie. Like, what? <laughs> That's insane to me that this is happening. Yeah, it's it's exciting just for yeah. that. Like, and even think about Frances McDormand, and not that she hasn't worked on the stage mm-hmm. or, like, been in, you know, she's got, what, three Oscars? Like, mm-hmm. but you don't necessarily think of her as, like, Shakespeare. And so I'm always excited when people like that try and tackle it because it's like you need to... Mm-hmm. Re, we all are familiar with these things, so it's nice to yeah. get like new blood in there to see what they can do. I, I also just want to mention that it, it is probably the most sparse out of the trailers that we're talking about. Yeah, and it, it is yeah. one of the most intriguing ones. Like it's literally just white backdrops, maybe like some people here and there. It's just Denzel, Francis McDormand, and three witches, and I'm just like fucking go. Like right, it just does so like for a trail. I mean. I don't expect it to be bad, or at least my going like I'd be very surprised if I was less than like less than happy with what I get out of this, even if it's not my favorite yeah. Cohen movie or whatnot. But like just as far as trailers go, it's a minute, right? And you get like just yeah. some epic shots already, <laughs> like some of this. Who's the uh, Bruno Delbano? He and he's done a few co. He's done a few Cohen Brothers movies. Uh, oh, he's he's a cinematographer. Yeah, he's a cinematographer. Oh. Got it, it just looks so good in, in like such a minimalist way. It's like, wow, like I, you know, it's a Cohen brother or a Cohen movie. So it's like, I have an idea of what to expect, but geez, it's really taking some, some deliberate choices here. So I'm, I'm very excited <laughs> about what that has to offer. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, Belfast arrives, I believe. Let's see. I think it's, I think it's because it's, it's November in, in England, but, or in the UK, I believe it's like I think it's December in America. Come on, come on is set for November nineteenth here. Passing hits Netflix on October twenty seventh, the end of the month. And the tragedy of Macbeth, I believe it hits theaters first and then Apple uh, TV. Uh, mm. Some some December twenty fifth, I believe that's the Apple TV release. If it hits theaters, like I think it generally it's like a three week window or something like that. So so, so December is when tragedy Macbeth. Yeah. So. That's our thoughts on, on all of that. Lots to look forward to, for sure, no doubt. Yeah, indeed. And with all that, let's get to our main review for Dear Evan Hansen. Have you ever felt like you could disappear? Dear Evan Hansen. Yeah, yeah, that's mine. I'll, I'll, I'll just take it. Wait, I really, I need that back. You could fall and no one would hear. 
Connor took a letter from me and it was an assignment from my therapist. Ew. Even when the dark comes crashing through. Connor's mother and stepfather are here to see you. When you need a friend to carry you. Connor wanted you to have this. And when you're broken on the ground. Dear Evan Hansen, he wrote it to you. His last words. Connor took his own life. He what? I'm sorry Connor didn't write this. No, no, no. Please. It's this. You will be found. We didn't think Connor had any friends. I mean, you really gonna tell these people that the only thing they have left of their son is a letter that you wrote to yourself? So, you and Connor, tell us something, please. Right, um, I started talking and you couldn't stop. They didn't want me to stop. I'm putting together a memorial service. If you wanted to do something. Connor showed me that, that I wasn't alone. All right, that should have been some of the trailer for Dear Evan Hansen. Adapted from the Tony Award-winning stage musical for 2015, Dear Evan Hansen is a coming-of-age musical teen drama starring Ben Platt as a high school student who suffers from crippling social anxiety. A misunderstanding involving therapeutic letters Evan writes to himself ends up convincing a family that their son Connor, who has committed suicide, was actually best friends with our awkward lead. Evan finds himself unable to correct his reading of the situation, which soon spirals into a cause to help others be more open about their troubles, while Evan's guilt weighs on him. Terrence... Where are you with this seemingly controversial film, given the nature of Ben Platt's age, which has been a huge factor, as well as the kind of messaging <laughs> that goes along with the story and yeah. how it's been transferred over into film? What did you think of the movie? Um, I don't think the movie is controversial. I just think it's bad. Fair. Yeah. I I think this. I, it's it's. Let me let me start with the good. I think that for all, Ben Platt does look old, right? <laughs> yeah. He does. But he is excellent in this movie. You know, his acting, the just the myriad of tears. You know, he, he really gets this character. Um, Amy Adams was really great. I think the issue, and it's the same issue I've had ever since I found out what the plot of the stage show was after I listened to the soundtrack. I think the problems from the stage show sort of get amplified in the movie, much like most adaptations, because now it's like on screen. So all of that like sincerity that would fill out a theater is now right in your face and we can see everything that's going on. I think that this movie, this is a story about a bunch of villains, not just Evan Hansen, his other cohort, mm-hmm. but it's a movie that's trying to portray them as well-meaning heroes. And like, I know a lot of people hint at like, Oh, like they're going for irony, right? You know, Evan Hansen gets this You Will Be Found song and we know that it's all based on lies and I'm like, yeah, but like tell that to the 50 million people who connect with this musical in a way that is not ironic. And so it's it just is weird for me. I think that the story is missing some moments of like character introspection. Mm-hmm. which is a shame because it's like it's a musical right if anything were built to have a song where evan could be like am i should i really be doing this you know it's a musical like he can sing that out and not have people in the world aware of what he's going through in his mind and so i just and i'm sure we'll get into like some of the more plot details but it was just maddening that it was like Every time this movie could have done something interesting, it doesn't. Like, Evan skates through this film. 
for the most part. And in doing that, other characters skate too. And to me, it just like it just is a failing of storytelling. It's like you went for the least interesting thing at every turn, you know, without getting too much into the plot. Like I just and what I'll say is that knowing the plot before I went into the movie was actually a good thing because I knew the shoe was going to drop. So I was like, let me just focus on everything else. And so I could appreciate like Ben Platt and Amy Adams, like I said, really, really good in this movie. Um, The songs are great, (laughs) but there's always been disconnect between the songs and the story and the plot and how they're using it. And yeah, I I was just bummed out by the time I got to the end because I was like, man, there's so much interesting material that this story doesn't seem interested in because it needs to just have Evan Hansen be kind of like this to to just make it through to the end Mm -hmm. without being too mean to him Mm -hmm. and so to me it's not a matter of like I don't need I don't need to be taught lessons from perfect characters, but I do kind of want how they act within the world to have uh, comparable consequences and understandings. Mm -hmm. And I think that this movie is really missing those. And so for that, it just crumbles. I will note real quick that the, given that it's based on a stage musical and the nature of the story, we can't avoid talking about certain things that take place, but I will say we'll we'll yeah. go into it as much as we have to. So be if you're yes, are very if you're very con- if you're very concerned about <laughs> if you're very concerned about spoilers, just know that yes, we're going to go into this movie as far as what takes place. Right. Uh, if we need to go that far, we will go that far. So just keep that in mind. But Abe, yeah. where are you with Dear Evan Hansen? Uh, this is the weirdest retelling of the talented Mister Ripley I've ever seen in my life. Um, <laughs> It is so weird that just like uh, I thought that movie was okay, and this movie is just like no, oh, that movie's great. Um, I I'm I'm of a lot of minds of this movie. Terrence is spot on with everything that he says. Um, where I am as a movie, like purely from the movie standpoint of like our directing, acting, whatever the case is, it's not a very good movie. And what I mean by that is that yes, the stage to screen adaptation sometimes works, sometimes it doesn't work. But like Terrence mentioned it on the stage, I think that there's a lot of things that you can be intense on the stage about who is doing what. And in a movie, you have to really flesh all that out. Like you have to give me the town name. You have to tell me what time of year it is. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of things here that that just are sort of said, just follow Evan. And that's that's your go to. And that becomes a problem because you're just like, okay, cool. I guess I'm just going to follow him for the rest of like this two hour, 17 minute movie. And I don't know what else there. Like, it seems as though he lives in like this fake town with like fake people. And all he does is like sing all day. Um, So (laughs) it's very like people. (laughs) It's very just jarring or it's it's just like disorienting and kind of jarring when you're just like, what else happens in this town? Like nothing happens in this town except for like people are sad. Um, But I think from like an acting standpoint, it's so weird because like I think there are times when Ben Platt is good, but he gets blown away from movie acting versus stage acting against Julianne Moore mm-hmm. and Amy Adams. And it's like, dude, like there's a huge difference here. Like I know that you're playing teenager and I know that you're kind of like being weird about playing teenager, 
um, like with arm movements or whatever else. But I would love for you to emote much more. Yes, you're crying a lot, real tears, buckets of tears. But the way that Julianne Moore does it, like in in probably one of the best sequences in the in the movie when they're having a, a heart to heart, she's probably in two of my favorite scenes in the movie. And I just I, there's like a, a difference there. So the acting there is like sometimes better, sometimes worse. But I'll, I'll also say that it is um, in terms of like character arcs and whatever else, you don't really get a whole lot of it in this movie, which is a, a shame because Terrence is totally right again here, too. If you have the chance to explore these things and you don't, that's on you, right? Like, you if if you had more time or if you had like the ability to just like give some dialogue where dialogue is needed or like what Terrence is saying, like a song where maybe you didn't have a song before, just to give more insight to Ben Platt's character, anybody else's character, like all these characters, whatever you know of them is what you know of them. They're very flat. Like, you know, like the thing is like they're struggling with something that's so intense, like a death in the family. It's very intense. And yet I guess that the dad had a hard time until finally he heard we heard one song and he he comes home from work or Amy Adams. Like, I guess you're having a hard time. So you're making stuff up in your head about something that may or may not have happened. But I have to infer a lot of these things. And so I don't feel the weight of like the the uh, like the the despair that they might be going through or like the hope that they might feel or whatever else. That's from a movie side. From like a thematic side, I'm going to be very serious when I say this. This is an irresponsible movie. Mm-hmm. I don't know how this made it from the stage to the screen without you talking about suicide and death in a much more constructive and supportive way. Mm. Terrence is totally right. There's zero consequence to what happens in this movie. Everybody, like, I, I like the way you phrase it, too. I, I don't know if I necessarily agree, Terrence. But, yes, everybody is sort of like a villain. Like, they're a bad person because they, they kind of are selfish. But with all that being said, like, again, from a thematic standpoint, I would love for this to have taken on, I don't know, more of a responsibility to say whatever it needed to say, but in a much more, like, Especially toward the end there, like I stayed through the entire credits, we get the suicide prevention hotline, not even like as its own frame, it's just a part of the credits, and I'm just like, yeah, I don't know if I, I don't know how I feel about this, but I, I think that from the parental standpoint and from like the Ben Platt, Evan Hansen standpoint, it's just like a, a, a not a very, uh, constructive way for you to to deal with this type of thing, and especially like. I, mean, I don't know if we really resolve the, the Evan Hansen part, but I really don't like the way that they um, kind of just like gloss over these things about like uh, uh, perhaps uh, Connor sort of not being like the best person. However, let me, let me try and find something good about him. Um, but then also just the devolving situation setting that Evan Hansen sets up for himself. Like, I'm glad that I watched this trailer like months ago and I read through the Wikipedia because I was like, I don't know if I'm if I'm digging where this is going. And so I think I would have been more infuriated had I not done that. Um, but doing so, I'm just like, I know where this is going. Like what Terrence said, I, I knew that there's another shoe to drop. And when it does like that is handled in a way that is I don't think the best way that it could have been handled in in a an appropriate like adult way. So mm-hmm. like again from a movie standpoint like it's not a great movie because it doesn't explore the characters and it doesn't really go through um in a way that is remarkable from any movie standpoint like there's no like great editing or there's like there's no great like 
um, uh, cinematographer, what have you. And then from like this, the the overall like what this movie is about, I'm just like, I don't know, guys. Like, this is not a movie that I would be like, hey, we should go see this as a family, so that I can, so that we can probably like approach some of these subjects that teenagers go through. It's like there's other movies that do this a lot better, and even if it's just the anxiety or just like the um the fearfulness of school or whatever else like there's a lot there's movies that do this way better to just to throw one quick thing in Aaron before you jump in mm. uh it, in terms of like the shoe dropping this is the first musical movie I think I've ever seen where I've wanted a character not to sing in a particular mm-hmm. moment mm-hmm. I could I could not believe that there was a song <laughs> yeah like, I in, yeah. in in like in that crucial moment um yeah i, th- I think i know what you're talking about like a dinner yeah. scene or something we'll, like that yeah, yeah. We'll, we can get into that but yeah. aaron yes what do you think aaron i uh, apparently did the least research among the three of us because i didn't like read through the wikipedia <laughs> or whatever to see what the story was i just oh so this is good because we can get your yeah, nice fresh take <laughs> well, i mean the... i read the wikipedia five years ago the, so. the, okay the thing is like i i you know given the setup of this obviously something has to happen and just the way it's been talked about, I kept thinking something like more extreme was going to take place by the end of this thing to really push it into a different sort of spectrum. And maybe that's why the hate was so strong for this uh, for various reasons. But no, it just kind of plays out the way it does and it's just not satisfying because it's not very well staged. I mean, you guys have already talked about a lot of the issues that I have with this movie. So as, hers is, as far as other things that are that went wrong with this film uh, that I did not like uh, was honestly Stephen Chomsky's direction. Um, mm-hmm. I I like his other movies, uh, Perks of Being a Wallflower and Wonder. I think those are solid films. I know, like you know, friends of the show Mark Hoban, he That's like what I was his favorite movie that year. Like, there's a lot there's a lot of praise to go for that one. And Wonder. Something I like about those movies too, beyond the fact that their stories are affecting, they have a sense of style to them. There's something there that just you know it it elevates it above the average coming of age story. This strangely doesn't have any of that. Like. Beyond like some a little bit of choreography here and there, it's for a musical. It's very flat and very non showy. And while the movie's subject matter obviously doesn't just you know denote like we need to have giant big jazzy musical numbers or something, at the same time, it it feels like there's room for anything, and the movie just offers mm-hmm. you nothing. And like there's only one instance where that actually works, and it's it's the Julia Moore's song scene. Cause it's mm-hmm. like, it doesn't require anything beyond her singing to her son. And it's like, yeah, but that's, you know, this is a two hour and 15 minute movie. Like I, I need, I, you know, the other songs in this film could use something, just some staging that feel like for a movie that's adapted from a stage musical, it doesn't feel stagey. It just feels bland. And it's like, all right, that's, that's a weird way to go. Other things about the direction, Abe, you're exactly right with Ben Platt. Like I, I can tell he is a good singer. That is not unclear to right. me. He has a mm-hmm. he has a vocal range that is very good, and I wish him the best in whatever future endeavors he has involving singing. This movie <laughs> does not know how to incorporate or you know do, you know change. This is a, the director's responsibility is to make sure that the actors are you know reflecting what's going on uh, among the other actors and for the camera, mm-hmm. right? That's a very basic description of what a director's doing, but that's a key component, right? To make sure everybody's on the same level. I, I, I agree with you, Terrence, like Amy Adams is on a very specific level. Uh, Julianne Moore, I think, is the best performance in the movie. Yeah. Caitlin Deaver is on a very specific level. Ben Platt is not. Like, he his yeah. t- all his tics and awkwardness and everything that's there is, <laughs> as a friend of the show, Mark Hoban, he said, I could quote this from him, it's played to the back seats. Like, it, it, is, mm-hmm. it is so big and so mm-hmm. distracting 
adding to the fact that yes he is an older person playing this role and that's not a yeah. deal breaker but it doesn't help that even with the other cast members who are also older they don't look like him they look they yeah. specifically look younger than him and it's and it's not a fault of ben platt like it is what it is he won the, he's the lead of the show like i get why he would be in this that's not a problem for me inherently but i do think the film once again these are choices they made for this movie they it seems like they attempted to dress him and make him hunch his shoulders and whatnot to like have him give this appearance of youth when instead it backfires and feels like a double down on how old he looks he like looks like he's older than he actually is yeah. <laughs> and so it's I, I don't I want to hark on that aspect too much as far as sure, the sure. age thing because that's been talked about to death and parodied and memed at this point. It's like it's not me trying to be mean to Ben Platt, but this is a problem that I felt like was going to be an issue, and it turns out it was where it sticks out. Like bottom line, and yeah. the perfor- the performance isn't helping me with that. Like he's playing right. it like a theatrical performance when he should be playing like a, cin- a cinematic performance. Exactly. Now that could work if the rest of the cast or the movie was directed theatrically, <laughs> but it's not. You have sincere yeah. cinematic efforts from the rest of these veteran actors that are here. So I can't, mm-hmm. I, 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 I'm, I was so trying to give this the benefit of the doubt as far as intention goes, because like you mentioned like villains and Abe, you've pointed out a lot of the, you know, the misgivings that are going on with the themes or what have you. And I agree with all those things, but going into this, knowing little as I did, I, you know, I, I try to be as open-minded, as optimistic as possible. And walking into this, I'm thinking, okay, I understand where the jokes are. I get where this could be problematic based off my basic understanding of this plot. But prove me wrong, movie. Show me that the... Sure. Ob- obviously, you have intentions that are well-meaning. Why would you make a non-well-meaning movie? Show, show me that you know how to make that work. And it just doesn't. I think Ch- Chomsky and, right, I guess, writer Steven Levinson, they just don't have a handle on how to make this work as a musical that you know earns the emotions it's going for as well as provides a satisfactory level of entertainment because it's just a bland looking movie it just doesn't have anything working in its favor outside of yes actors who we know are good being good in a movie like that's not surprising to me and good good on them but just the the amount of stuff happening here that just feels off key nope i guess pun intended like it just did not (laughs) it did not play well to make this work as a cinematic adaptation of of this thing yeah can I yeah, please. lean into sort of the, cause now I want to, now I want to talk about the plot specific. Sure. Yeah. Um, sort of based off of that, because I think the reason why you feel that way. And like, I alluded to this is like this movie, this story goes out of its way to not punish any character. Right. Yeah. There's no and act. There's no act. There's no, in the film's head, there's no villain. Like, we can see yeah. those villains, but the and film not, is not convinced not there's anybody in, bad like, in this movie. And it's not even about being bad. It's just in the matter of if I create a lie about somebody who is dead and I convince their family, all, I make up all these scenarios. I go through the effort of roping in a family friend to make mm-hmm. emails. And I set up a, and I help, and I'm on the team with the Connor project to try and rebuild this favorite place that he had that I made up a whole story about in my head. And this is going on for months. And now I'm dating their daughter. And it all comes out, and I tell the family that it, I was lying. Yeah. And then they extend me. The most interesting thing that happened in this movie was them extending him grace of right. not telling. 
right? And I would have right. loved to see Amy Adams on screen actually saying that out loud because that would have been powerful for her. Might have landed her at an awards nomination or two. And then I go on social media and tell everybody I lied. And I come back to school the next day. Yeah. And the only thing that happens to me is that now instead of people ignoring me in the hallway, they just look at me mean in the hallway and continue about their day. That is what I mean by like no consequences. Yeah. There is no way in hell that kid goes back to school and is being called any everything but a child of God behind his back. Yeah, he There's would no have way. to move to a new city. <laughs> yeah, like, like that he like, was even allowed back in the school with the daughter of this thing that he can like think about it. Like he he goes viral essentially for singing the song about this kid, and then goes on social media and tells everybody that he was lying. And it's like this movie doesn't even address that at all. It just has Evan reading some of Connor's favorite books, and he goes and finds this clip of Connor you know doing the song which is this is stuff that's this is stuff that's not in the play by the way the kind of resolution they're like the 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 amends the amends that he's making yeah it's like it goes out of its way to be like okay he did this really bad thing but look he made this nice amend and i'm like no like yeah this is where and this is where i feel like it's irresponsible about you know anxiety and you know and you know the themes of like this with him committing suicide it's like it doesn't want to have somebody face consequences for their actions by virtue of the fact that this character was suicidal. And I think that, that actually makes the story less interesting. I think if you have Evan really face up to what he did and have to go through this and overcome this and come out the other side knowing that he messed up, but that things are going to be better, that is that's an, arc. an interesting That's what you're describing. Story. You're describing yeah, an exactly. arc. Yeah. <laughs> that's a character and so arc. the movie, like, you know, rounds off everything prickly so you don't get those arcs. You don't, like, what, I want to know how Alana felt. Yes. Alana's a character played by Amanda Stenberg, who's very much involved in this Connor project thing that gets established and goes to the lengths of sharing the actual letter (laughs) that that, that That Evan told her not to share. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's like, I want to know, now that she's gotten what she wanted, Right, which is the Connor project has been funded. How does she feel? Right. Does she try and connect back with Evan? Is there like friendship broken? Because what the movie explained earlier, which was really interesting, was that she's also struggling with a lot of these issues. But like, you can't necessarily tell, quote unquote. Right. She's not. Pre- it's not presenting. And I'm like, okay. Like that's how? Like how interesting would that be if she does? She shares this thing, and be, and she and because she finds out it's a lie, she faces horrible grief and does something dramatic about. It. Like that. That's a. That's something. Yeah, totally. Right. Yeah. Which or is they, and also I very mean, feasible given what happens in this movie. Yeah. If she just cusses him out, like yeah. this is what I mean. Like nobody in this movie has anything happen to them as a direct result of their actions. Anything Correct. truly, truly meaningful other than Evan losing his connection with his family. The the worst thing that happens is like Danny Pino, the father, like getting yelled at for having his own way of processing grief. Like that seems like the the worst yeah. the, 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 yeah. the, like, the worst like the hard stairs at a grocery store, which yeah. you know like yeah. everybody knows everybody in this town. Come on. Um but like I, I wanna I wanna give another example of what Terrence is talking about in terms of the consequences, and I'd love to investigate this further because I have a lot of because uh, there are other characters like we're talking about that face zero consequence, even though they have song arcs in this movie that tell us about their problems. One of the problems that I had a big 
one of the issues I had a, a huge issue with, the, one of the largest issues about Consequence is exactly that all this has happened to this family. The truth has been revealed. Evan Hansen records a 15-second video, posts it to Instagram. The action in the movie is so disrespectful. He just puts his phone away as if to say, that's it. That's that. I did it. Yep. And that is, again, what would you? What are you thinking? You know, like, as, as a director, you're just like, oh, yeah, we closed the arc. Like, no. What you've just done is you said, you know what? The best way to deal with things is to admit that you're wrong and then just don't worry about it ever again. It's like, that is, sorry to say, that's like a white person way to deal with things. <laughs> and true. I have a hard problem with that, like, especially in these movies where it's like, dude, exactly what Terrence is saying. There are huge reverberating consequences that should be happening all throughout this. Like, that family should be hating him for the rest of his life. That end sequence with Caitlin Deaver and him going to the orchard should never happen. Like, she would never want to talk to him again. He would literally have to move away. And I don't like how it, like, says, like, oh, by the way, you know what? We're just going to spare you the problem of, like, you disrupting our entire family. Like, And I'm just like, I don't know how this happened here. So well, I, that think, is just another example. Think about the, the, the admittance of the lie and how that could affect the, you know, the millions of people that watched this video and believed and like moved, you know, yes. had some kind of development in their life. And what yeah. that what if they're if they're at a point where their anxiety is at a crucial level and they see this video saying this guy that gave me inspiration was a liar that could shatter them in a way that could be incredibly bad. I mean, totally. And yeah. that now that's speculative and Yes, this is a this is a musical that has a certain intention in mind. And obviously like our read of it is going to certain extremes, but that doesn't excuse, you know, things that could very well happen based off of what it's presenting to us. Well, it it's it's not even a matter of like oh it's, it's trying to tell us you can tell mm -hmm. the story of Evan being okay by the end of this. You can, but like you it drops out everything that might make that journey interesting and it like when he tells julian moore's character before you know the 11 o'clock number um you know oh i let go like i didn't fall from the tree i let go and what they want us to take from that is like oh wow like evan was really at like a terrible point in his life like let's just let's just move on from all and i'm like no we, we need to talk about this <laughs> like, all of this is a part of the process like and and you know, the way I would have told the Dear Evan Hansen story, I would have even had the lie there to begin with. I would have just had him tell the family, like, I wrote that, but he was the guy who signed my cast, and he's the only person here who cared enough to do that, right? And then yeah, tell the story from there. That would have been a way more different so story. It, 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 yeah, and it's totally different. So it's, for me, it's not about, like, I'm just dealing with what the movie is presenting to me, and the movie is deliberately withholding things, elements from this story that should be there, and that is where I find the biggest fault. Yeah, because it would make Evan interesting as a character, for one thing. Like, in, as I, yeah. as it stands, for me, it's just a pile of ticks. Like, it's just sure. a pile of, of just... The, he's so It's such a shallow persona that I'm looking at here, and I, all yeah. I'm watching is just this, this awkward guy who means well, but has nothing in him beyond the stuff that he like projects outward, but like, who is he? Yeah. yeah. And, and, I mean, and since be mean, mm -hmm. Oh, go ahead. Aaron. Well, I was going to say, since Terrence, you nailed it on the head there because they're holding back a very pivotal, you know, a very specific thing about like what's going on with him. 
I, that's just one area where it's like, well, that would have helped me connect with them much earlier on. But as it stood, mm-hmm. I couldn't find that was my main issue. Like, if I'm trying to find good in this, like, I want to be able to connect to this in some way. But the film yeah. is it, like you said, it's withholding. So I can't like. I, I get like circumstantially I understand okay yeah he was in an awkward situation he couldn't just say no so there's a lie but that doesn't connect me to it. that just makes me get the scenario that makes me get the plot give me to get sure. the character yeah. and it just doesn't give me that which is and beyond just lie, that he's awkward in public yeah <laughs> a lie is one thing literally fabricating emails yes to uphold the lie and this is come this and and I relate to Evan because there have been there were I, there are multiple times in my youth, right, where I was like, oh, I got to keep this lie going. And I, mm-hmm. I have doubled down on something like nothing near this bad, mm-hmm. um, you know, <laughs> but where I was like, oh, I, you know, I will double down on the lie until I, it comes to the point where I can't lie anymore, you know, and then I'll be sad and I'll cry and then we'll deal with it and we'll go forward. But like, mm-hmm. it's, I didn't rope a friend into fabricating emails about an imaginary friendship with somebody's dead kid. Yeah. So that's the thing too is like, <laughs> and and I definitely agree with you there because like I, I think like in terms of like unraveling Evan Hansen, the simple thing like the, at the end of the day, like the end result, the bottom line, this guy's a sociopath. Yeah. And like I, I know I'm kind of saying that jokingly, but I'm also like no, being serious. like legitimately because what he like a psychopath would be like he's trying to make people harm themselves, but sociopath is like I'm just lying and I want everyone to believe this. And the problem with that is, like he's a senior in high school, zero friends, and like his only friend is like I guess a family friend who we don't really know a lot of, but he seems like a jerk. Um, yeah. And so I have a hard time believing that a he has zero friends. Uh, but then B also like when it starts to get going and the going is good, he's like, I'm coming out of my shell now. It's like, I don't know if that's how things work, like even on medication. Um, but I would I had a hard time just thinking to myself like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go continue to live this lie and live the best life ever. And it, all is, of a it sudden, is hard. Like, you're not wrong. I'm sorry to interrupt you. It is, you're no, not please. you're not wrong as far as in 2016 when this thing came out. Right. Like. I don't think it'd be possible to be a high school senior with that kind of anxiety that hasn't had any way to connect to anybody whatsoever. Yeah. Like, it was, like I could see that happening in like the eighties or something like yeah, that. That way makes sense to me. And now it's like, people would kind of try to embrace that if I'm not mistaken. Like it seems like a thing that's, I mean, you have to have at least like one other friend other than like a family friend. But I, I would say that this is like, and this is like me half joking, probably more joking than being serious. But you know how like there's like people that your family is just like, you got to stay away from that kid. Evan Hansen mm-hmm. is that kid that you would say stay away from that kid because like your parents are always like be nice to people and then like you're nice to that one person and they they never stop bothering you and they're just like yeah let's uh, go hang out and have a pizza party on Friday night it's like dude I just invited you because my mom wanted wanted me to um, but Evan Hansen's like oh he's he's just like this. I don't know, like a delusional person, but I, I just don't like that they portrayed it in such a way that allow, allowed me to feel as though it's like, oh, well, he's not all bad. See, because, you know, the, the mom made the lie up first and he just like got nervous. It's like, no, you told your friend that you're going to stop this from the get go. And you had another chance to do it, too, at the house with the pie. And yet here we are. You know what I mean? Like you just live this life for an entire year and I, I actually really like when Julianne Moore comes in and they have like that that family dinner, um, and then Oof, she leaves. Yeah, I love a I love a 
an uncomfortable same dinner family setting. Yeah, but I thought that was like a real ass part of like the thing where it's like, oh, my son's been lying to you about everything because I'm not that poor. You know what I mean? Like we don't live in like a fucking cardboard box, and like now I'm upset because my son thinks thing. so low of me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm like, God damn! Like Evan, you are a fucking maniac. I will say this. I mean, that's those are maybe some of the best scenes of the movie, just because you have Amy Adams and Julianne Moore together right. on screen doing, you know, doing yes. the work. <laughs> it's very effective, and it's like you want to talk about characters I connected to. It's like, yeah, these ones, like these ones feel like people, like they're yes. doing something. More specific, like I can relate to like the situation that Evan and his mom is in. Like it's and this like she's just doing such a good job of being right. this kind of character. It's like okay, like if there is an area where the film is gonna make me somewhat emotional, it's like finally we found it right here with Moore, who has maybe seven minutes of screen time, <laughs> but makes yeah. the most out of every single one of them. She really does. Here's the other yeah. thing. Here's the other ring, real quick. Sure. We've talked about Evan a lot, and Abe, you've gotten into like how irresponsible this film is. I would very much say the same about Connor. Um, I, I like that's where this movie kept rubbing me the wrong way as far as how we're portraying this character and what we have to say about him. Right. Where he's presented right away. Uh, and like, if this movie again had style or something going on in the direction to like make this feel more organic or like fitting with the tone, I have less to say, but like you present Kyle as this guy dressed in black, finger, fingernails, he commented on the students as uh, school shooters cheek and it's like which is wild yeah, yeah and it's say. like this is such a cliche <laughs> yeah. already and he's like he's and he's always angry he's yelling he's confronting evan for whatever reason like and it's just like okay and what do we get from there well nothing because he commits suicide but like how is he described from then on every choice they make besides evan's lies is to basically make Connor seem awful and, and like that and that his mental illness made him so terrible and it's like that's not the you can't do that like it's 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 using it's using his con, whatever conditions he had as a way to vilify this character make him seem like the worst guy until Evan was able to convince everyone otherwise and it's like okay this seems highly problematic for people that are like actually suffering from these issues and have to like watch this movie parade this character around as like this awful person in real life but have like these lies being spread about him that make him set like it it, it just makes, yeah except for except for the one time where he had a a musical breakthrough during a group therapy session which was apparently mm. recorded which seems very uh, not good which is wild um, <laughs> and yeah. it's like, it, like it and the way that kept popping up as far as how we're using connor it just kept bugging me in a way where, like, I don't personally suffer from mental illness, I don't have relatives that are in that kind of state, but I feel like if I was, I'd be offended by what this movie is doing. And right. it's yeah. just, yeah. It, it just felt bad it, to me. It felt like, in a way where, like, I could see a musical making this work on stage, because I, I feel like, like, the tone would be adjusted for that, but this movie just doesn't get how to do any of that. It's tough because, like, Sincerely Me, which is the song where, um, Evan and his friend Evan are writing the emails, and yes. Connor is like the voice it, of it, it, and it's like played as a, it's played as it's, it's played and it's played as like a darkly comedic song. Yeah, yes. right. and that is the issue, is that because it's because everything else in this musical mm-hmm. is so sincere and earnest. Yes, it you killed... have to take it at face value that because right. that I can see the irony in what is, and I can enjoy, and I can laugh, and I can 
marvel in the voices blending on the song and i can like the fact that it's the first sort of big musical sequence you know i can do all of those things in that moment because i'm like oh this is really messed up what they're doing and the song is silly and it's ridiculous but, but the, then everything else yeah, the is movie's played. not that <laughs> the rest of the movie yeah, isn't the, that <laughs> and that's the issue with dear evan hansen as a property is just like if this was a dark comedy i don't think we would feel the same but it's played as like an earnest drama and so right like the stuff with connor i totally get why amy adams character is like desperate she seems like a woman who's desperate to cling to all the good things in life or else she'll crumble right and so i get why she would just be clinging to anything and always believe in connor and i get why danny pino's you know the stepdad would have that breakdown moment talking about baseball and you get like that one sort of shining light and i understand how evan coming into this family's lives enables the family to like help get them through this yeah help get them through this and be able to examine the good things about connor rather than all of the bad but it just is like it just falls apart near the end because now everybody knows that everything evan was saying about this kid is a lie yeah and we don't get time to sit with so now how does that help recontextualize things for the family for the area for that other kid who was in recovery with him that's that's the 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 issue with this movie and i think one of the things that i would say sort of like what you're mentioning earlier terrence is if i were to you know have sat down with this team and i was a part of the project i would have maybe decided that let's have evan research connor because he's living the lie now much the same way that they did in the last 10 minutes of the movie but just have that and that would have been a more redeeming arc too it's like you know what i'm living this lie but let me actually find out about connor maybe there's something that i missed and let me actually find like live these experiences with his family and that would have been like oh that would have been really nice or just like you know he actually doesn't know him but he got to know him and you know he and aaron to your point he had demons. Connor had demons. And you know what? He couldn't deal with them. And let's talk about that now. And also, I have demons. And so let me talk to my mom about that now. But instead, it's just like I actually didn't like that what you're saying, Aaron. It's perfect, which is Connor is vilified in this movie. And then he has one song. And that's how he's the best now. Like, oh, he was a human underneath that all. Like, But I actually did like that there was a song with um, Caitlin Deaver where she's just like, you know what? I know this guy. I've known him my whole life, and you know he wasn't the best, and so I can't, I can't allow myself to to think that he is anything other than than the monster that was uh, living with me for these these uh, years, right? Um, so, yeah, it but does become like the Connor character is like I don't know, I guess you're used as a um, the catalyst for the entire movie, but yeah, I, I just don't like the way that they dealt with the the actual mental health aspects of this, uh, of this person. No, it's just uncomfortable to watch. Like it is. And mm-hmm. I, I, I can understand that there are people that connect to this as we speak. The Rotten Tomatoes score, I believe is 33% for critics and 93% for audiences. Like mm-hmm. there's clearly a, you know, a, a set, a, a set of people that, you know, wanted to pay to see this movie, neither knew what they were getting into or were satisfied with the kind of emotional beats that were handed to them. There's nothing wrong <laughs> with that. And anybody can like a movie however they want to. But I, 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 I do feel like the film feels packaged to appeal to a to a kind of audience that 
it frankly it feels it feels bad for how movies come along because like that kind of response means we don't have to try very hard to challenge the stories that we're telling we can just make things that would naturally make people cry and rely on those beats instead of doing anything interesting and this movie mm-hmm. doesn't find like you're saying terrence it avoids doing anything interesting and instead plays everything through Evans, mainly Evans' perspective, and beat yeah. for beat in ways that feel like audience-satisfying as opposed to audience-challenging. And it's a way to be yeah. satisfying by being challenging, but that continues to find ways to elude us as we go further and further into IP land. So it's a shame <laughs> that we get a movie like yeah. this that's based on a Tony Award-winning musical and just right. doesn't work. Just, just, I also <laughs> just want to mention that, that before we get to some, some other characters which I'd love to explore, but just... The whole entire singing aspect of it, Terrence, you mentioned this way early on. I was also kind of taken out by it because there are some scenes where I guess it works more naturally. I think like the Julianne Moore, Evan Hansen scene is probably the best uh, of, of them. Mm-hmm. But when you decide that you're just going to – if you decide to like leave your body for a moment and watch a third third person, you're like, how does this even make any sense? Like one of them is the most egregious, and I think Terrence, you and I are on the same page about which song that is. Say the uh, song words, so I'm Words sure. fail. Words fail. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So words fail is probably the most egregious in terms of – I don't know how this – like even as a musical or whatever else, like it's just not – this is the emotional arc of the movie, and yet here I am with a song that doesn't really make me feel good. Uh, but again, I'm not so much talking about like the, the tone of the song. Just more when I'm watching this movie, if you watch it from a third person perspective, you're just like, I don't know how this actually makes sense. Like even when he's like singing out loud and I guess that he's sing talking to Caitlin Deaver's character when they're having pie and then he's sing talking to like the family when they're having dinner. He gets up to sing talk. You know, so I was like, <laughs> I don't actually get this, but I guess for the sake of the movie. Yeah, it's fine. But yes, I think words fail is probably the one where I was like, this is not helpful. Uh, words fail. I, it, I love musicals. Mm-hmm. Like I love musicals. I'm such a big fan. I've been a fan since I was a kid starring in my elementary school musical retellings of parables from the Bible. Right. <laughs> I've been here for the long haul. Damn near 30 something, all 30 <laughs> years, 32 years of my life. And words fail. I was like, and I think this hints at what Aaron is talking about with the direction. I was like, I cannot believe he's about to sing a song right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's so I could see that number being flames on stage. Mm-hmm. But in a movie, it's it was like nails on a chalkboard. Because I was like, yeah. why is he singing? Like and the other people are not involved in the number in an interesting way, other mm-hmm. than to stand there and have him belting out this number. And it's like there's no point in him singing what is the biggest reveal of your film. Uh, it, just the way they got into the song and the way they filmed it and then the way they got out of it was, like, bad. Yeah. Legitimately bad. Yeah. So, yeah, it's the first time in a musical I've ever been like, why are we singing here? Mm-hmm. Which does not bode well if you are making a musical. Like, I should, that should never come into my mind. You know, mm-hmm. as somebody who has loved this art form for forever. Yeah, um, yeah it just. The Julianne Moore. I, I like Julianne Moore in that part a lot. I think mm-hmm. she's very good. Um, would I have liked to see the actress who won the Tony for it be in that part? Yeah. 
Uh, I was surprised sure. there weren't more yeah. like you know actors that were from the play like in this. I like I get that to an extent as far as we need to fund this movie, so we need to like have mm-hmm. some big stars in it. Sure. But it yeah. you know you generally get like not just one star, right? You generally get like a few more. I was a little surprised. Mm-hmm. Well, when your dad is the producer. Um, anyways, uh, uh, but yeah, it, this movie would have never been made without me and my dad. If you want to talk about the other, I just the plat pack. The plat pack. Yeah. I, I well, I mean, the other characters like to, to preface this, we talked about this earlier. Everybody has problems in this movie, and I think that what they do well is like to say like, hey, not just you know, again, if you take away from the movie, you're just like everybody has their own things that they're going through. Everyone has like their own battles that they're fighting, so you never know. Unless you talk to somebody or unless, you know, you want to sit down and listen to what somebody has to say. Mm-hmm. Um, like with the Alana character, actually, she has so much conflict that is unresolved in this movie. Yeah. And I <laughs> yeah. have a huge problem with that. I mean, first of all, they're joking about Prozac and um, and so antidepressants. Yeah. And I don't know how I feel about that, but I guess that maybe it's funny to, in a dark way. Well, it's something they, they can con- they can actually connect to with that. Right. But, I mean, like, she actually has, like, this huge arc in her character where she's like, did I lie to people? And later, she's just like, I guess I'm going to be the bad guy, too. So, Terrence, you're totally right that everybody here seems to be a bad person. And I, I, just the way that you handle that is just not very, uh, not very clean. And so it doesn't give me a good feeling as to, like, oh, I guess that it still went through. The donation still went through, and she, it, they got to, like, complete their thing. It's truly wild that there is not a resolution to that specific character. That's such a that's that's a huge beat for the film to have, and and the, and there's no consequence for her whatsoever. Like, there's nothing there's nothing that suggests what happens next beyond like yeah, a look at some point. Rather than folded that action into Evans' arc, you know, have him drop the photo. To be like, oh, we need these last few things, and then have it extra backfire, and then have, you know, like it would make sense for the film because we've already yeah. seen him do all this other stuff. Like, why wouldn't he also drop this thing? Right. Like it. I, right. I, I just, I, it, it's, it's rough. It's rough to well, think about the consideration. It is, <laughs> and I think in large part the thing that that struck me the most is that we explore semi-explore, but we're following Evan Hansen's character. I, I would relate more to the Alana character. Which is to say that, yes, you might be uh, under constant stress and you might be struggling and, and, and anxious and whatever else, but you still have to perform very highly in school and so that you can keep going to like other schools and whatever else. Like that's something that is more resonant for, for me, you know, something like a better like tomorrow kind of type situation, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, they just are like, well, it's not really her story. So she's got problems too, but you know what? She's fine because she's social. And I'm like, I don't know if that's the that's not the resolution to any of this, you know, like this is not how real high school works anyway, but still it's like, I, just because she's social and she can be friends and have, uh, be a part of like the, the president of multiple clubs doesn't mean that she's okay. And, uh, I, I just, um, didn't think that it was handled that well. Cause it becomes like a 70, 30, ba- excuse me, 70, 30 balance. And that just, it's not my favorite because I get that we have to follow Evan, but there's other characters like, again, even like Zoe is sort of semi unexplored. Um, but she's going through a lot too. She's like got depression or not depression specifically, but she's going through a lot because she has this conflict of was my brother not an asshole? And I'm just like, I, I don't know how to deal with this because 
none of these problem none of these questions go fully resolved in a way that is satisfying she sits in an area like amy adams where i think both of them her and caitlin deaver they're giving very good performances in roles that force them to do things that are for one thing only related to the plot they have no characters outside of what's going mm-hmm. on in the story which makes sense to musical i get that but also they have some lines that are just like so <laughs> they're so direct as far as like what they're trying to address and they have to like work through that through the powers of their acting and it just it it makes me it makes me feel bad that they have this is the material they have like to go along with it points well it just man that thing at the end with the family where the mom was like where where zoe tells evan like my mom has decided that we're not going to tell anybody because she doesn't she's worried that she'll hurt herself and she doesn't want to lose another son i was like that just floored me. I was like, oh, my God, this movie is going to pick up. And it's going to, de- like, that is such a really fascinating decision for that family to make. Like, they're going to ca- have to carry the burden of this thing forever yeah. to protect this guy who lied to them. Like, wow, like, what a sacrifice. Only for it to be un- undone, which it needed to be undone, right? Really? Like, Evan needed to fess up to the lie. But then it was like, and then nothing happened after that. So it's like every every time this movie is building to something interesting, it's like, um, oh, we could do that. Let's just go another song, sure. something light. Let's go over here. Evan is going to have this. And, you know, it just I was bummed out about that, you know, with Alana. Yeah. As well as with Evan's childhood friend, who's, whose character name I can't remember. Like, Jared. Oh, oh, OK. Fabricating yeah. emails. That's so a, with a that's kid, a no-no. So a kid that you do not like and only tolerate because apparently your families know each other to create this big-ass lie to then have nothing happen and taking photos with him at graduation is like, it's like the, the creators of this just abdicated all of their duty as storytellers. Yeah, exactly. I, I also just want to very quickly, as an example of... Um, this movie not wanting to deal with uncomfortable things, like truly uncomfortable things, is I actually really liked that family fight sequence where everything started to unravel mm-hmm. and you start learning more about like the fa- the stepfather and you start learning about Amy Adams and like the struggles that Connor went through. And like what Taryn said, they just pop into a song and that's how you deal with it. And I'm like, that's this is probably the, the most emotional and uncomfortable I felt in this movie. And you're just gonna turn away with uh with a bad a badly a badly uh created song um at this needle drop here at this moment where everyone's just gonna stare at evan sing right now and like that's not not a very good way to deal with this any other thoughts on dear evan hansen that we haven't explored? yes yeah. just very quickly sure uh, i don't know why ben platt had to look like he was younger when they cast everybody else as like 30 year olds in high school <laughs> everybody has bigger muscles than any high schooler i've ever seen in my life and every like all the people that are sitting in the audience when he's singing or even in the hallways, they're all 30 or like 20 something. Like, why do they even worry about this? Thing? Yeah, they definitely I, I recognize several of those. actors. They, they filled out the cap of a lot of Broadway people, too, um, <laughs> which I found fascinating. Not any of the main people. <laughs> yeah, I can get but, you in this movie, but as a side gig. Yeah, I recognize one of the football players as Isaac Powell, who was in. um once on this island in the, in the last West Side Story revival. <laughs> but yeah, that, that was like my last observation. It's just like, man, why, did, like, why do they have to worry about this? Because 
if unless you were gonna go super bad and everyone's like really a teenager or like early twenties that still look like a teenager, mm-hmm. then you could have just looked like. I think there have been jokes that he showed up at the Met Gala and people were like, he looks younger here than he does in Evan Hansen, and I'm like, yeah, that's pretty true, even with the beard. But um, and my last last thing is just the 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 arm motions and the maneuvering. Like I really didn't like him running. Like it's just too much like too much so echo what aaron and, and mark hoban said about it's playing for the people in the back and it's like this is a little bit too much man like movie acting is a little bit more subtle you have to like sh- you have to sell me on your on your facial emotions and also like your acting not so much like body flailing it's just weird not to be able to recognize that while making this movie that there's not like yeah. a, dis- a discernible difference between what one character is doing versus what everyone else is doing yeah and that that's ultimately what kept mugging me. Like you, you know, like in uh, Tropic Thunder, where he's just like he's talking to <laughs> Ben Stiller. Yeah. Um, and he's like, you know, I'm not going to go to the award because you know you can never go full whatever. Mm-hmm. Like Ben Platt kind of like went full teen here. I'm like, that's not how teenagers actually like. Dear Simon is a better portrayal of like high schoolers, even though they're all like older people too. Mm-hmm. And um, there's like this movie that was on Netflix where I really liked. Uh, it's like this Canadian movie. Where she writes letters for like the guy, I forget what it's called. The other, but, the other half. Uh, maybe like there's an Asian lead in it, and yeah, I was like, I'm... this, is, this, like they're they're they they don't really look like they're in high school, but they actually are, you know, it's fine because everyone doesn't bring in attention. So yeah, I mean, there's just other movies where it's like, let's not worry about how you look and don't act like a child. Um, just you know, be you, and we'll just tell everybody you're in high school. Well. The Urban Hansen's currently playing in the theaters. When should people see this movie? Terrence, when should people see The Urban Hansen? <laughs> um, when it pops up on a streaming service you already pay for. Abe? Yeah, that's where I am too. This is like uh, on you can wait for it to come out to Netflix or like Hulu or something like that. Some some streaming service. Yeah, I'm in the same area here. This this movie it's just, it's not, it's not good. <laughs> it, it, it does so much. Uh, it's bad. Like, yeah. we can say that it's bad. No, it is bad. It's a bad movie. I think that we've said that. Like, objectively, it's a bad movie. Yeah, like, yeah. with a bad message and a bad tone. And I, if you want to see a movie about anxiety, go watch 8th Grade. It's there you go. Way Ooh, yeah. God. Mm-hmm. You didn't like 8th Grade? No, I loved 8th Grade. Okay. I'm just thinking about the stress. The of stress that of that movie, movie yeah. But yeah, <laughs> just like how much she's going through, like, reality versus, like, online persona. I'm just like, yeah, dude, like... Go, like that movie makes me angry. That's a movie that gets tone. That's a movie that understands how tone works. And it has real eighth graders in it. Yeah, that's also the half of it is the movie you're thinking of, Abe. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's the the Netflix Love Letter movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that's been our review of Dear Evan Hansen. Let's uh let's move on now. Let's get to uh, Abe. What um? Oh, Aaron, I think it's time for an uplifting game. Little known fact, that's actually the song, or that's actually the tone that was going to play um, when uh, uh, Sincere, or no, what, what's the song that he sing, sings on stage? You know, that one. You Will Be Found. You, you Will Be Found. Be found. Yeah. That's, that's when, uh, <laughs> that, one, that was yeah. the original tone of that song, but then they're like, it's a little bit too light, Aaron. <laughs> All right, well, I have a game for you guys. Yes. Now, to, pre- to, preempt, to give you a little bit of a, a, a preamble here. Uh, we, oh, just God, talked about Dear, we just talked about Dear Evan Hansen starring uh, Ben Platt. Mm-hmm. And um, completely different, but recently the voice cast for the Mario movies got, has been revealed. 
Oh yes. And Mar- and Mario is played by Chris Pratt. Not a choice that any of us were like, oh, we need this now, but there, there it is. And uh, we'll see uh, if uh, it's a him uh, next December. But I have a game for you guys called Platt or Pratt. Oh. I'm going to read you quotes from both Chris Pratt movies and lyrics from Dear Evan Hansen, and you have to tell me if it's Pratt or Platt. Oh, Jesus. Okay? Do you think you know the answer? Say your name, and then the answer. Listen to me so bad. I'd be surprised if you could get some of these movies uh, the Pratt examples by name, but if you can, good on you. Bonus point or something. I don't so know. we, so the goal is the goal just... is to identify if it's a Platt quote or a Pratt quote. Gotcha. Got okay. 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 Do we have to name the movie? No, no. I'll I'll give you the okay. movie, but got it, got at it. the okay. end. Okay. Here's the got first it. one. It's not so impossible. Abe. Abe. Chris Pratt. Incorrect. What? Terrence. Terrence. Platt. That is a that is a Chris Platt quote. That, that is Chris, ben, Chris uh, Platt, that's a Ben a Platt show. quote. That is from Dear Evan Hansen. I should have wrote the yeah. songs down. That I was these like, oh, the impossible. Maybe that's a, a something about the Lego movie. But... I, sh- I should have wrote the uh, the songs that these are from, but it doesn't oh, matter. Yeah. Here's the next one. This might be our only chance. Terrence. Terrence. Platt. Incorrect. Oh, God. Abe. <laughs> Pratt. It is a Chris R. Pratt quote. Yes. Is that from Guardians? It's from Jurassic World. Ah, okay. I tried to block that movie out of my mind. <laughs> Trust me, this it's not easy to find lyrics that are sound like movie quotes and movie quotes that sound like lyrics in Irvin Hansen. This is <laughs> this is, but this is a very fun game to construct. Here's an excellent. He also said he's very proud of the person you grew up to be. Terrence. Terrence. This is Platt. This is from the... He's talking to the sister. Because you kept talking, which makes it funnier. It's not Platt. What? <laughs> Abe? Abe Pratt with an R. It is Chris Pratt from Onward. Is this from that, from tomorrow? It's from oh. Onward. Onward. Oh. He's talking about his dad. He's very proud of the person he grew up to be. I like that Terrence knew... <laughs> You know, that the other question. Again, I have to make this game challenging. <laughs> yeah, well, that was a good one because right. that really sounds exactly. It does, like right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna it help, does. Yeah, yeah. So perfect. I'm gonna help you out on this next one here, Terrence. Here's the next one. I miss talking about life and other stuff. Abe. Abe. Platt. That is Platt. That's from Dear. Oh Mason. shit! No, from, I didn't help Terrence. That, that's from sincerely. That that's from sincerely me because he says yeah, other stuff is. and then stuff. and Jared's like stuff. <laughs> It's actually I'm only yeah. going to reply in Pratt now. So. <laughs> Here's the next one. Sorry. Sometimes the thing you've been looking for your whole life is right there beside you all along. Terrence. Terrence. Pratt. It, it is Pratt, yes. It's from Guardians 2. I was going to say Lego Movie, so. What did you say Lego Movie as well? Here's the next one. You know what it takes to be the best. you got to say to yourself, I will do what nobody else is willing to do. Abe. Abe? Pratt. It is Chris Pratt. <laughs> it's from The Tomorrow War. I'm trying to help Terrence out here by getting it wrong. It's, it's, I'm going to lose this. It's fine. I... Here's the next one. I don't understand what happened. <laughs> the quote? <laughs> that sounds like a song. Terrence. Terrence. I'm just going to say Ben Platt. It is Ben Platt. You're correct. <laughs> <laughs> that I believe is from, um, 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 
if I if I could tell her, I believe, but uh, I'm not quite sure. Hmm. All right. Well, how many does it have now? Well, how many is Abe? Abe. Platt. It is Platt. I have no idea. I'm it's, just trying to like. It's one of the guess. songs related to when he's when he and Stenberger when they're when they're when Alana where they're talking about um getting the 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 um the, when the viral video goes up. Oh. Oh, he he cares how many likes. How he many has? how many how many likes or views it has at that Yeah, uh, that's a concerned person right there. Yeah. All right, here's the next one. No, this one's on me. I showed them the way. <laughs> Terrence. Terrence. Pratt. That is Pratt. That's Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom. Mm, yeah, it makes a sense. Movie, like another, another movie I literally couldn't tell you what the plot was. <laughs> you didn't like the rich people doing auctions on like that that Alphasaurus Rex? That happened in the movie. Yes, yeah. it did. All right, two more. Uh, Terrence, you're down by one. Oh, jeez. Okay. Oh, oh, it's close. It is. Especially now with everything you hear in the news. <laughs> Especially now, Abe. Abe. Platt. It is Platt. Oh. <laughs> All right. Sorry, Terrence. I honestly thought that sounds like something that Chris Pratt would say in his hey, exactly. it, yeah. I was like, I'm, I'm I'm All I'm hearing is compliments on how great this game is that I've made. <laughs> so, so that's my takeaway. Here's the last one. Mm-hmm. It's coming along, picking it up. You know, tough transition, but I'm starting to feel better with it. Terrence. Terrence? Pratt. That is Pratt. That's Moneyball. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. Hey, Abe, want to feel old? Moneyball's 10 years old. Is that for real? Yes. Turned 10 years old last, won best, best last week. Actually, I don't know who was in the best, act, best actor. That's 2011. So. That was Jean Dujardin. That's Jean, that's, that's yeah, pro, prolific American actor, actor uh, Jean Dujardin. Now, <laughs> yeah. now you know. I, that is probably Brad Pitt's best performance. Yes. And yeah. I still am here for Jean Dujardin winning that Oscar. Uh-huh. Um. Moneyball is one of the greatest baseball movies ever made. It is. I just love that Jean Dujardin has With... parlayed that Oscar win into like one Scorsese role and then back to France, nothing else. <laughs> it's like, it's no, yeah. No follow up. Kinda... He made Monuments Men. I kinda oh, he wasn't like Monuments Men. Yes, a movie that doesn't exist. You're right. I kind of like when like foreign actors storm through an award season, win things, and then just go back to their country. I'm like, yeah. okay, like you, that was Roberto that, Benini. That's that says the same for director Michael Hazanavicius, who's also won a Best Director it's Oscar and yeah. has done nothing else <laughs> since then. Hey man, you yeah. rest on your laurels. You you go out on top, I guess. It yeah, yeah it is great um, that we didn't get to see like his 200 million dollar blockbuster movie after winning an Oscar. He's just like, <laughs> ah, I'll go back to France, make silly comments. Terrence, what were you saying about baseball movies? Uh, so Moneyball is great. The only thing I dislike about Moneyball. Is that how good Pratt is in it? No, the way they portray the A's in that movie. <laughs> yes, how they don't talk I mean, about the like, big three. Yeah, I want this revisionist history about yeah. like the, the oh the poor unfortunate A's who were winning division titles all of the time and had the three best pitchers in the league yep. and all of this talent. They weren't just like. Yes, they did not have the money of like the New York Yankees, but like they had a loyal fan base, and it was their fault that they lost, not anybody else's. <laughs> so I just want that stated for the record somewhere. I like that. I also agree so, with somewhere you. Somewhere out there, bald Philip Seymour Hoffman is nodding his head in approval. Art yeah. yeah, I got it. Yeah, but I I certainly agree with you that you know I don't know if if uh, 
Chad Bradford really ever did anything for the A's that season. It was really Mark Mulder, like Berzino, and uh, I forget the third person. Tim Hudson. Tim Hudson, that's right. Yeah, T. Yeah, to, to continue this baseball aside, and then I will give you your podcast back, Aaron. <laughs> Please. Like, if you look at the it, – it's interesting – for dramatic effect, you know, a lot of sort of real life movies are based on a true story. Take things for dramatic license, but like sure. if you if you really do look at that time period, you know, like in two thousand and one, they had the Yankees down o two, going back to Oakland and then lost three straight games to lose that series. It's like, like yeah, the Yankees have more money, but like they you lost the games. I just I just want I wanted I wanted a little more veracity given the fact that I grew up in the Bay Area during that time. So it was like a really interesting movie to see and be like, I love this as a movie as it's constructed. And I also know that some of this is lies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> one one thing's for sure. My mom was an extra in the crowd during the filming of those scenes and she's in Moneyball. So. Oh, Ooh. there you go. Mm-hmm. But also go... movie magic. Exactly. Yeah. Because they basically had her and like, you know, hundreds of extras, like in one section, they kept moving them around a different they, section. They just like, yeah. Yeah. All right, well, uh, Terrence, you did a good job in this game, but Abe, you came out the winner this week. As much as I was trying to help Terrence win, uh, but yeah, thanks. That was that was a very challenging game. Uh, it was. Yeah. So congrats to you on the win. <laughs> well, that's you, how, that's how you play Platter Pratt. And remember, Mario, starring Chris Pratt, comes out next December. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> okay, moving on now. Let's get to feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. This is where we go over the various questions and answers on our Facebook page, Podcast. I asked a number of questions to the listeners, and they gave us some answers, and here we go. First question here. What are your favorite theater-to-film adaptations? Chris has My Fair Lady and Chicago. And Todd My Lee Fair Lady? Todd leaving out front of the show. He has Little Shop of Horrors. <laughs> that just stopped me in my train. <laughs> he, he likes My Fair Lady. I like My Fair Lady I, I, more than I, you. So did, so did the Academy. Yeah, um, you won Best Picture. Yeah, not all not all winners. I agree with. Um, <laughs> it's got a it's got a great 4K. Oh, I'm does it? sure it does. It's long. It, it's a long it's movie. One of those musicals. <laughs> it's one of those musicals where you're like, these songs are great, but this plot. Mm. The plot. It's very simple. That's what gets me about it. It's like we needed three hours for this. <laughs> mm, yeah. <laughs> the songs are great though. Learner and Low. They knew Ter- how to write a song. Terrence, what are your favorite theater to film adaptations? Any. Tell me. Um, tell me now. I'm going with West Side Story. That's my um, go-to answer, just because I'm a huge fan of West Side Well, just Story. for the sheer fact of, like, the changes that they made. Because I, I, I went back and, and saw it on the stage. Like, that adaptation in the 60s is really smart about, like, swapping Officer Krupke and Cool to allow those numbers to take on a whole different meaning and to make that plot more streamlined. It put the guy, Sharks, in the America number. They're not in the America number on stage so now you get like in the in the shark the the male sharks the only song that they have are there in the tonight quintet hmm. they don't have like a solo song whereas the jets get like three mm-hmm. so it, it was really smart about the choices it made not so smart about painting white people brown but <laughs> but that's the time we could hand wave it and it's all okay <laughs> i mean it, 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 it's you know problematic but problematic. Uh, you know, but it, it just in terms of the adaptation coming from the stage to the screen was really smart. That does yeah. make me curious about the Spielberg version once again with what Kushner's, yeah, what Kushner's going to do with the script in that manner as far as what kind of yeah I don't choices that's, that's why I was so against 
I wasn't against. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, what do you do to improve upon what was already an improved upon like adaptation? Like, you're not going to get the oh, they moved this number here. Wow, that changed the story because somebody already did that better than you. So I'm, I am intrigued to see what they're going to change. Uh, no singing, but also a few good men. Um, there you go. Yeah. Mm, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, this one does have singing, and this is like where an example of how a director just decides to give things more depth and I guess more of a movie feel. Sweeney Todd. I, I am a big fan of the Sweeney Todd movie, so. I, I have little, um, sorry, I have little um, knowledge of like the actual play. Yeah, I, yeah. Just, I just never have seen it, but I mean, I, I Angela Lansbury is in one of them. I, I just, I like. She originated the role. Yeah, um, like it's, it's. I, I don't, I don't know if I love the movie, but I do appreciate that. It's like, oh yeah, this is a movie that I could watch. Oh, I uh, love and the then, movie. Oh, I, I really like Sweeney Todd. <laughs> like it's the last yeah. great thing Burton did in my eyes because it's been a yeah. while. Don't eat those meat pies. Uh, the next question is, what are some great films dealing with social anxiety? Chris has one of my top five films, Amelie. Uh, and then Todd has Punch Drunk Love. Those are two we great talk- answers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We talked about uh, eighth grade earlier as well. Uh, social anxiety movies. Um, Adaptation uh, with Nick Cage. That's, that's a that's a good call. Despite yeah. the Spike Jones film. Mm-hmm. I'll I'll say eighth in eighth grade because nothing is really coming to mind. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, it's a great movie. Bo Burnham should have probably won a, a, an Emmy for Inside. More so than the film Disney he lost to Hamilton. Damn Hamilton, <laughs> which which was filmed like five years ago. Yeah. And released last and it, year. And, and but since it had a lack of awards and praise, it needed that Emmy. Yeah, no, yeah. I don't know what those guys are doing these days. Did those performances needed guy? to be nominated to to right. push out all the other ones. <laughs> yeah, Lin Manuel who? All right. What are some adaptations where the casting did not work for you? <laughs> Todd Lieben now, friend of the show, writes The Wiz. Most of the casting for that film was brilliant, but Diana Ross is completely wrong for Dorothy. It's too old. Jordan Jordan Grau, yeah. friend of the show, writes Lawrence of Lawrence Lawrence of Arabia, Lawrence Olivier in Othello, and Cameron mm. Cameron Diaz in Gangs of New York. Mm. Oh wait a minute! <laughs> I don't mind her in that movie. I mean, you know you're in the minority on that, right? That's fine. I, that's fine. <laughs> I haven't seen that since 2001, so I don't have a good enough opinion on like what was. Daniel Day Lewis is great in it. I I do you know for that set like I haven't seen that movie in twenty years but I do remember DDL being pretty damn terrific in that movie. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. Yeah, and good. I I didn't I hadn't seen much Daniel Day Lewis at that point in my at life. Time. So like I remember I remember specifically there's a scene of him where he's like wrapped in an American flag giving a great monologue. I'm like that's, that's a great monologue. This guy's yeah. good. Like I want to see more of what he does. <laughs> you should watch that tonight. It's it's a well shot scene. I haven't I haven't watched it yet. But I have Gangs of New York. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, casting where it didn't work for me. Adaptation casting. Yeah. Oh, adaptation. Yeah, okay. Hmm. That's a good question. Mm-hmm. I'm like scrolling through this list of musicals. <laughs> um. Uh, yeah, if you're going to mention musicals, I guess the first thing that comes to mind, uh, no James Corden in Cats, please. Even though he's probably okay in it. Although I haven't seen Into the Woods, so maybe, maybe it'll be that. 
Like, into the he's, he's fine in Into the Woods. He's fine in Into the Woods. Okay. That's a movie that just immediately left my mind. Like after I saw yeah. it, but, like that was I... that was at a point where, we're, where it wasn't him overload, and so I, I hadn't seen him that much. I'm like, oh, he's pretty mm-hmm. good in this. Like that was my general. Like like yeah. Pine Pine is great in that movie, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but I skimmed through it the other day. Uh huh. Hmm. And I was like, some of the stuff is really smart yeah like i think pine is great mm-hmm. but i think other stuff I... so I, i'm gonna pick one from that sure okay I, i'm gonna actually i'm gonna give you two for for steven sondheim adaptations i would have liked to see somebody else play the witch other than meryl streep i agree with you <laughs> interesting yeah. yeah um not and she's not bad but it just it's like just, it call it feels like it just calls attention to itself yeah yeah and the second one um I would have cast somebody else's Mrs. Lovett and Sweeney Todd. Oh. Not, not Bonham Carter? Yeah. Right. I think if you if you listen to like the original Broadway cast sing that music and then Fair you go enough. back and listen to two of them, yeah. It's very different. <laughs> Oh, and, speak, and, speaking of which, Gerard Butler in the Phantom of the Opera. Get him out of there. I was, Jesus I was Christ. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was gonna go more to like more movie adaptations too. And I would actually probably say like, you know, I, I probably would have cast somebody else as Belle in the Beauty and the Beast uh, live action remake. I was gonna, that was, I was gonna do that, but I didn't know what we meant by adaptation. So I was just yeah, that, that's why it. it's like yeah. it threw me out. We're talking about Into the Woods, and I was like, well, now that more things come to mind here. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right. But yeah, uh, the next question is: What films have done a great job relying on social media? Todd Lieberman now has the Blair Witch Project. At that time, the internet pick. was like really new, and everyone was like, "I'm pretty sure this is real." That's a, that's a good pick because that's that's more on selling the movie as opposed to the movie itself. That's yeah, a, that's a fun pick. Yeah, um, great job relying on social media in the movie, or just like using. I mean, on it's like a plot, you know, a plot aspect. But I mean that. I mean, yeah. it, the question's whatever you want it to be, but I mean, that was sure, more sure. my intention when I asked it. Yeah. Um, Social cool. Network. Social <sighs> Network. Yeah. Mark, you got 33,000 hits uh, overnight? <laughs> the Social Network was going to be my answer. <laughs> oh, damn it. Sorry. I'm just, like, ruining... Well, that's fine. If we can we can both be the Social Network. There we go. Yeah. All right. I keep thinking of just bad movies, so I don't have anything better than Social Network. Not better, but like <laughs> on that level. I just think of like Unfriended. It's like, eh, <laughs> I'm, not a, I'm not huge on Unfriended. Don't you Skype? <laughs> oh, a hero. Oh, yeah. We just saw a hero, and that really very much mm. relies on social media for a certain aspect. Yeah. Of it. All right, next question. What are your favorite Julianne Moore films or roles? Todd Libano had something that I... No, he had a, The Big Lebowski. That's what he had on there. Ah. Uh, Chris has Amber Waves from Boogie Nights or Linda Partridge from Magnolia. You just called me lady? <laughs> Those are both good answers. Boogie Nights and Magnolia. Those are where she's probably like, I haven't seen the one that she won the award for, the Academy Award, uh, Forgetting Alice. Still uh, Alice. Still Alice. Oh, I, still Alice. I am not a fan of that movie, but um, she's good at it, but it's, I, I don't, yeah. I don't like that film very much. Yeah. It's you know you know sometimes when people win awards and you have to pretend that they won it for something else. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, that's pretty much what it is. Yeah, yeah. that one. Yeah, what was that one? Yeah, good cat. Like it has a big cat. Like what? Like Kurt, Kristen Stewart and Alec Baldwin's is like her yeah. husband and like oh. it, 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 and someone plays her son. Too, I can't remember. But like there's, it's just it just it feels like a a really well cast uh, t- TV movie. And it's like uh, okay. interesting. Okay. Um, Far from Heaven. Yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. 
All right. Uh, last question is, what are some great films that focus on privileged families? Tyler Smith has Ordinary People and Reversal of Fortune. Mm. Privileged families. Mm. Also another theme that they, they semi-explore in Evan Hansen. Yeah. They, yeah, more than but not do. fully engrossed. Um, it's it's like kind of played it for laughs, and it's actually not really focused on them. But the first movie that comes to mind for me is Lady Bird, where she's like, "You live on the literal opposite side of <laughs> the opposite side of the tracks." Um, but it's not focused on Lucas Head, just his family. Uh, the Godfather. <laughs> the Godfather, yeah, <laughs> made an offer you couldn't refuse. Uh, Ma- 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 Marie Antoinette. Parasite. Parasite. There yes. you go. Yeah. There it is. That's a great one. Okay, can't beat that. All right. Well, that was enough feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. And that's going to do it for this week's episode about Now with Aaron and Abe. You can find more of my work in my personal blog, thecodeazeek.com. Everything I do ends up over there. I also write movie reviews over at We Live Entertainment and Blu-ray reviews at Why So Blue. Uh, occasionally I have something on Variety, and I'm on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Abe? You can find more fun stuff over my Instagram, abe.mula, and twitter.com slash walrusmoose, hashtag Dear Evan Handsome. Because she calls him handsome at that one point in the movie Amy Adams does. <laughs> or was or was it Julianne Moore? Now I can't remember. I would assume it's Julianne Moore. It'd be really yeah, awkward no, with Amy Adams. I know. I, I know. I actually think it might be Amy Adams. Oh, okay. boy. Right. That family. <laughs> uh, Terrence Johnson, where can people find more of your work online? You can find my writings at lenoiraouteur.net. L e n o i r a u t e u r dot net. Uh, and then I'm at Terrence B. Johnson on Twitter and Instagram, where you can find me on Twitter talking about sports and other stuff in equal measure. <laughs> you can find all the other episodes of this podcast on iTunes, Audioboom, Spotify, and Stitcher. Download Podomatic and HHWLOD. Feel free to email us at outnotpodcast.gmail.com. Let us know any of your thoughts on the Evan Hansen. Yeah, right on our Facebook wall, facebook.com slash outnotpodcast, or you can tweet us at twitter.com slash out now underscore podcast and if you want to see some fun stories or other posts go to our instagram page instagram.com slash out now underscore podcast that is one place where you can find our terrific summer movie gamble poster um <laughs> always fun to put those together for kudos sure. to you aaron thanks I, I i have fun putting those together i think this one came out pretty well uh but uh thank you terrence for joining us this evening thank you terrence oh thanks it was fun and you know i love a poorly photoshopped poster um <laughs> So I enjoyed. I enjoyed when you sent me the summer movie thing. Photoshop <laughs> is our passion, uh, but that <laughs> um, that is going to do it for this week's episode. Next week we're doing something that's exactly like Dear Evan Hansen. That's right, Venom: colon, Let There Be Carnage. So stay oh tuned for that. And uh, that that's exactly what's going to happen next week, as well as our beginning of our horror themed October shows. So until next time, so long and goodbye. I've learned to slam on the brake. Before I even turn the key Before I make the mistake Before I lead with the worst of me Give them no reason to stare No slipping up if you slip away So I got nothing to share No, I got nothing to say Step out, step out of the sun If you keep getting burned Out of the sun Because you've learned Because you've learned On the outside Always looking in Will I ever be more Than I've always been Cause I'm top, top, 
tapping on the glass. I'm waving through a window. I try to speak, but nobody can hear. So I wait around for an answer to appear while I'm watch, watch, watching people pass. I'm waving through a window. Can anybody see? Is anybody waving back at me? Shakes of a lamb's tail. Yeah, exactly. When's the last time you heard that? 1997? I actually use that quite a bit, so it comes, <laughs> it comes up a lot. All right, well, failed on that one, Abe. <laughs> the trailer for Dear Evan Hansen. Evan Hansen, please report to the principal's office. Uh, Evan, the parents would like to see you alone, please. Our son, Connor, wrote you a note. No, no, it's, it's not. No, please. Wait, did he sign your cast, too? Have you ever felt like you were the only... <laughs> One in the world. Oh, everybody didn't know Connor. Like, oh, but you did? No, please tell us. Regale us with these emails of yours. This This one-man show of yours is wonderful. (laughs) And then, uh, you know, uh, shots of Evan falling from the tree. And and then all of a sudden, uh, uh, you know, the the montage of him and Caitlin Deaver having fun. And then Dear Evan Hansen. Then they splice in a shot of Robin Williams and Jack. And it's like, why was that there? (laughs) What? It's actually just a poster. It's on his wall for whatever reason. What if the Dear Evan Hansen poster was the exact same poster as Jack? It's just instead it's Ben Platt's like doing the <laughs> Do, doing arms the leg, arms yeah, and legs spread arms. out on the <laughs> That should fuck. I'm sorry. <laughs> just picturing the fucking poster. It's All right. Poster. Yeah.